Good afternoon. Thank you once again for joining me. Julian Campbell here. We've got another exciting show lined up for you this week. A bit later in our program, we're having our chat with uh, Christina Sikiotis, the project manager of Create and Innovate at Hunter TAFE, and we'll have that minute on innovation with her. We're also talking with Tony Vidre from AV Chartered Accountants about the ins and outs of running a home office. But right now, we've got an exciting uh, chat with David Hall, who is an entrepreneur, established several companies over the years, The Clean Plumber, Business Wealth Builders, The Clean Boot International, and the list goes on. Good afternoon, David. Thanks for, jo- thanks for joining us. You're welcome. Um, so what we're going to talk about this evening is some of those challenges that you've had over uh, over the years, and we're particularly going to focus on, on growth. And I believe that when you set up the Clean Plumber, you took the business from uh, four to 38 in a very short period of time. In a very short period of time, and that certainly had some challenges with it. But uh, I, I realised very quickly in, in my career as, as a plumber that I didn't want to be just a plumber all my life. I didn't want to dig trenches. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't make the sort of money that I wanted to make if I was just a single operator. So I always had these big dreams to, to build a big organization, and, uh, and I surely got that uh, 20 years down the track. But when we first started, it was just four of us, and uh, I thought, how can I build this business so that it becomes more leveraged, that, uh, that I can work myself out of the business? Because uh, for most business owners, they get trapped in their business, and, and you spoken to a lot of people I'm sure and you've heard the horror stories where they have the dream and then they lose the dream yes and uh, and I never wanted to lose the passion for business and 20 years down the track I've still got the same passion I had back then but what we did was we we looked at the marketing side of the business and we said we have to become marketers so I created my own marketing machine and we can talk about that maybe in another call but Mm. the growth that happened was literally from four to 38 employees over a period of about six months now, that caused some monster headaches because I wasn't prepared for that. I wasn't prepared for how good our marketing would become and the influx of work and thus the influx of employees. So I didn't know how to deal with that at the beginning. And some of those challenges literally floored me. At one stage, there was a time where uh, we had a, my wife was in the, still in the business. In fact, my wife now runs that business mm. uh, by herself uh, with general manager, sorry, and, uh, and it's been set up so well that, she can just, yeah, she's not a plumber, but she knows how to run that business. So the so, importance of having systems in there, would it? All about systems. Yeah, and yeah. We, we implemented so many systems into that business that allowed me to walk away from that business you know, within the last year. But um, we, we, we looked at the challenges that we were going to face and, and, uh, and said, how can I increase my workflow, increase my staff? But what happened with that growth came an immense amount of, uh, I, I guess, uh, challenge well more than challenges. I mean, I was bordering on a mental breakdown at mm. one stage, trying to deal with everything at once, and it, and it got to the point where we had uh, my wife in the office upstairs. I was downstairs with my six-week-old baby uh, nursing her while Joe was dealing with the uh, the problems and the the, the the stress of this massive business that we had. And I literally just walked out of the out of the business. I, I, I walked out, drove and got into a car and drove to Queensland. I'm, I'm Sydney-based, but I drove to Queensland and uh, sat on the beach literally for three days without telling anybody. So, I was in such a state. So is that one of your bits of advice, is to, to, no, to, to no. walk away? Or, or Absolutely uh... not, no. no. <laughs> I, I didn't know how to deal with that, and, and since learning how to deal with it, the, the ways that you can deal with this is to have support people around you. I had yeah. no one around me at the time. Yeah. I wanted to do this all myself. So what I, what I had to do, and uh, since... 
that little snap point, if you want to call it a snap point. And uh, I, I, I went around and I, and I put, surrounded myself with people that could support me. So I got great accountants on board. I got uh, mentors and coaches on board. Mm. Uh, I got uh, my wife was a huge uh, support for me. I even went back to my father because my father was the originator of the business back then. And I got him and I, and I said to Dad, uh, how do I deal with this stress that's happening? And he, he gave me some wonderful tips. But, yeah, running away from it, I don't, I, don't, I don't say that to anybody. That's just a crazy thing to do. Yeah. But I had no choice. I was either I go into mental breakdown or I come back with a clear and precise vision. And the three days that I had clearing my mind, uh, and now here's a, here's a tip for everybody out there. If you, if you want to clear your mind, just spend some quiet time at home. Mm. Not the TV. Don't put the TV on. Just quiet time at home with no one around, no phones, no emails. Maybe an hour a day, that's all you, all you have, need to do. And just go into the problems that you're facing. Don't, don't run away from them. Uh, and I, I learned that from running away. But don't, don't, um, don't emotionalize it, either. Uh, deal with the issues that are coming up and say, where's my plan? Who do I need to help me with this? Are they available to me right now? Or are they available online? Can I call somebody? And just start making a plan for it. There what- is no problem too big that we can't solve. At what stage did the uh, systemization come into the business? Is that around about the same time? That was exactly, exactly. That snap point that I had mm. uh, created the urgent need for systems. Mm. Uh, so remember, I had no one to support me apart from my wife and I in the business growing this monster business. So I didn't know that there was coaches, mentors out there that could support me through this. So we came, I came back after that three days and I said to my wife, Joe, I said, Joe, I know exactly what to do. I've had time to think about it. I know what we need to do right now, and we started implementing. We actually tore that business apart and put it back together again over three days. So Literally I... tore it apart from right down to the nitty-gritty, and then we rebuilt it on great foundations. Yeah, so, so walking away for three days really was a good thing to do because it, it allowed you to take a step back and, and focus. Yeah, but since doing that, I've realized that you can actually do this every day. Yeah. So every day now I have quiet time for myself, and it's no interruptions. It might be in my office. I, I work from home now, um, supporting other businesses. And uh, this might be just time where I just sit around and I, I might sit out in the sunshine and have a nice cup of tea or coffee. It's just quiet time to think about the business. But it's, it's the old e-myth, isn't it, uh, working on your business instead of in your business? Exactly, exactly. Whilst ever you're trapped in your business, you can't think properly. Mm. You can't think clearly ahead. Some people will say to you, you get a plan for the next five years, get a plan for the next six months, get a plan for the next year. Most people are dealing with the day-to-day issues of their business and can't even think the next day, let alone the next week or the next six months. But just taking that quiet time, deal with the issues, don't emotionalize them. We don't want to get people all frantic and thinking about it and stressing and staying up late at night. There is no problem you can't deal with. You just mm. need to think clearly about it, and that quiet time gives you that. Well, thanks for your time, David, and uh, appreciate you sharing those thoughts, and uh, we might catch you again in the new year. Wonderful. Thank, thank you very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. David Hall there, sharing some ideas of building a business and uh, the emotions, and I think those of us that have been in business recognise some of those issues he was talking about. And it's 22 minutes past one. You're listening to Business, The Law and You on 2NURFM 103.7. Time to pop over to AV Chartered Accountants and have a chat with Tony Vidray. Good afternoon, Tony. Hi, Julian. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. That's good. The temperature's rising and so are some tempers, I notice. 
<laughs> Is that right? A few, a few road range incidents that I've been viewing. Yeah, it's yeah. very interesting. Well, you sit there looking at road rages on the two, on your iPad, do you? Uh, no, out of my office window, actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> so uh, I, I believe that uh, since we had our discussion last week about uh, motor vehicles, the tax office has issued a, a directive now. Yeah, very interesting. We spoke last Thursday, and uh, on Friday they issued three um, interpretive decisions defining um, what a uh, what a business trip was. And it was in the context of if you drive, say, one of those commercial type vehicles like a utility, um, and the, there's an exemption from fringe benefits tax if if all you're doing is driving just to and from work. A question cropped up: Was, was it still a business trip if they also transport a family member? during part of the journey, which the tax office have come out and said, no, that is not a business trip. Right. And so it, it knocks out the, um, yes, the, the work-type related uh, uh, business activity. So I thought that was interesting after our discussion last week. Wow, yeah, fantastic. Well, mm. well we take they, must, to... they must have been listening. <laughs> well, we hope so. <laughs> well, I don't, well, no, they wouldn't have been because they wouldn't, they wouldn't work that quickly for <laughs> issuing a ruling within a day. <laughs> Maybe we just talked about it last year. Yeah, that's it. So, so we're going to take that a step further now, looking at running a home office. Yes, we are. Yes, so home office. So there's a couple. There's two different ways um, to look at home offices, and and I guess I guess my example and your example are going to be quite um, quite relevant in these in these discussions. The first one is if you actually have your home as a place of business. So the distinction there is that you're not just operating from home. As a, as a matter of convenience. You're operating there because you have to. And quite ironically, since the GFC and since a lot of economic rationalisation and a lot of large companies cutting back on their, their workforce and contractors, a lot of people don't have the option of going into an office. They're not working from home um, just out of pure convenience. They're working from home because they have to. There's nowhere else that they can operate from. So that's that's one set of rules. Then I guess you've got... Um, a, and that's probably your case, I would imagine. Yeah, it is my case, yep. Yeah, exactly. So you, you don't have an office to go to unless we call 2NURFM, um, your office, and you really need to tidy up the, your space there. I'm um, here once one, one hour a week. <laughs> very good. Tidy up when you leave. Um, or compare that to my situation where I do have an actual place of business, an office, but I also review um, some documents and, and, and have a home office as well. That is one out of convenience. Now, there's lots of arguments around that to say that it's, a, it's not convenient, it's a necessity, um, but they're the two... Um, separate um, distinction. So, if you if you're just doing it out of convenience, that's one set of rules. If you're doing it because um, there's no other place, then then there's a, set of, there's a separate set of rules. So, if it's if it's not for convenience, if you have to actually work there, it unlocks. Um, tax deductions not available to the other sort of people. So the sort of deductions you're looking at are things like interest on the home loan, um, rent that you might be paying, house insurance, council rates, um, land rates, and the ATO ruling says you, you need to work it out on a floor basis. So, for example, if you have, and we'll just use it in round terms, if you have eight rooms in the house and you use one room as a study, then you know, the theory is that you know you get to claim one-eighth, right. assuming that the, um, the area is fairly, uh, fairly similar. Okay. Yep. So floor. And then you also, and then you also get yeah floor air. Then you also get to claim things like um, heating and lighting and depreciation on your desk and your chair and and your computer and all that sort of stuff and cleaning costs again on that on that floor air if you engage a cleaner and maintenance and all and telephone costs. So so there's a higher tax deduction than if if you were just doing it out of convenience um, and you also had another place of business. Then the deductions that you're restricted to are just the operational costs, like your lighting and heating, and, and that's pretty much okay. it. So, so if I do the uh, cleaning in my office, uh, can I claim it at my hourly rate? 
you, <laughs> I, I forget to ask this. Um, if you follow the, uh, the trail of money, you would be paying yourself. So, um, yeah, if you want to claim it as a deduction, you also have to then declare it as income. Yeah, okay. So it cancels itself out anyway. Okay. So, yeah, so the, the, the flow and effect of this, there's a real problem with it, though, that people tend to forget. And, and I guess in this type of market, it's not that important, and it's to do with the capital gain on the eventual sale of the house. Mm. So the problem with it lies in the fact that we go back to that one-eighth scenario. If you're claiming one-eighth of the interest and the rates and whatever, on the sale of that house, the tax office is going to ask you to pay capital gains tax on one-eighth one of the gain that you make on that house, mm. which is quite, quite logical, quite out... Um, yeah, the, the, the logic follows there. Um, whereas in the other case, if it's just convenience, then uh, then that's uh, that's not the case. Yeah. And recently, the ATO actually had a blitz where they sent a whole series of letters to people who had ABNs who had, who they noticed had sold their houses, and they wondered. They said, "Why haven't you included um, any capital gain in your return?" And when the, the the answer came back, said, "Well, I lived I live in my house." The question was, "Well, hang on, you've got an ABN." And they started scratching around to see whether part of that house is used to actually running a business. Wow. All right. Well, thanks for your time. And uh, we'll have a chat about something else on the tax world next week. Yeah, I thought we're getting a bit uh, we're getting a bit closer to uh, to Christmas, so we'll do Christmas parties oh, <coughs> in yeah. the week leading up to Christmas. But next week is an, this is a really tri uh, tricky one. We had a, a question from from a client, a very a new client, as to where do we have to display an ABN, an Australian business number? Mm. And I was actually quite surprised at the, <laughs> the answer. I thought I knew it off the top of my head, but there's some quirks about where you you must display your ABN, your Australian business number. All right. So we'll talk about that next week. Fantastic. Thanks, Tony. Thanks, Julian. Bye-bye. Tony Vidray there, AV Chartered Accountants, helping us with the difference between running a home business out of necessity or convenience. And if you're like me and want to catch up with that Castle Ray line, remember, if you missed yesterday's episode or any other episode of Castle Ray line, make sure you stay up to date with your favourite radio serial by heading to our website, 2NURFM.com. Time to cross over and have a chat with Christina Sikiotis. Good afternoon, Christina. Hi, Julian. Thanks for joining us again. We're going to continue on with some of those... Uh, types of innovation and look at looking at process innovation today. Yes, we are. And what I thought we'd do, um, so last week we talked about um, product innovation and service innovation. So today we'll, st we'll start with organisational innovation and then move into process innovation. And organisational innovation is improving the way that you engage employees, either in innovative practices or engagement in general. And process innovation, or how we do things better, um, are the ways that will save you time and money. Organisational innovation begins with people in the organisation and without stating the obvious, without people there's no organisation and there's no ideas. Everyone's capable of creativity and innovation, Julian. It's a common misconception that you're either born with a capacity for innovation or you're not. In a conducive environment, which is support for management and permission to contribute ideas to the organisation, anyone can develop or improve their capacity for organisation. An organisation that's serious about innovation will be serious about building their employees' capability for innovation. And in most people, in most cases, all people need is a little bit of stimulus. And let's not forget that the broader your knowledge, the more diverse your experiences, the greater your potential for innovation is. So we'll turn to process innovation, which is a really thorough innovation process, and this makes sure all ideas are captured, looked into, progressed, 
An innovation process could start with identifying the types of problems and challenges that are particular to your organisation, then to generate ideas that potentially solve those problems, decide which ones will work, move on them, prototype, pilot, implement, evaluate. In reality, it's just a normal progression from inception of an idea to, to the completion. Mm. And, of course, uh, making sure that we don't just focus on the, uh, the processes and things, but we allow that innovation to come into it. Absolutely. Well, that, yeah, absolutely. That's where all the new ideas and the, the new capabilities come into it. It is. Thank you very much for your time. We'll have a Thank chat you. on innovation again next week. Okay, look forward to it. Bye-bye. Bye, Julian. Christina Sikiatis there, Project Manager of Create and Innovate at Hunter TAFE. And that minute on innovation and how important it is, isn't it? Well, thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you enjoyed the program. We've looked at some of those ch challenges faced by an entrepreneur, which I found very interesting, and the uh, um, points of running a home office with Tony Vidray. In a moment, Jane Klein will be back with you with more of your easy listening favourites. Next week, we're going to enter that world of tax again and look at the ABN numbers with Tony Vidray from AV Chartered Accountants. We'll have another minute on innovation and we'll have some other tips that will motivate you and improve your business. I'd love your company again at the same time for business, the law and you. Until then, have a safe and prosperous week. And as Benjamin Desraeli once said, change is inevitable, change is constant.